than the five minutes it took me to turn Wendy into a full-blown lesbian. Damn it! We need action before they turn the glass into lesbians! Greetings and welcome to the Dead Harvey Podcast. This is the place for indie filmmakers and fans. And welcome to the second annual Dead Harvey Thanksgiving special. Last year we talked about the one and only killer puppet turkey movie, Thanks Killing. Now they haven't made another Thanks Killing movie yet, so I had to find some other stuff. So I was scouring the internet looking for indie horror movies. And around Thanksgiving time, it's Slim Pickens. Now Christmas has a lot more options. Uh, but... Thanksgiving, a lot of the ones I found were just kind of like movies that took place on Thanksgiving. Blood Rage, Christy, um, what are some of the other ones? Seance, Boogeyman, Alien Abduction, Incident in Lake County. Uh, so, But these were all just kind of like regular horror movies that took place on Thanksgiving, but they didn't have... What I was looking for is I got so much amusement out of that puppet, uh, Killer Turkey, in Thanksgiving, that I wanted to see another puppet, like, if possible... A human-turkey puppet hybrid. Closest I got to that was, of course, Poltergeist, Night of the Chicken Dead. And there's a Native American theme that ties into Thanksgiving because it takes place at a restaurant built on an uh, Indian burial ground. Um, and that never turns out well. Look at what happened in Pet Cemetery. Look what happened in The Shining. All that stuff built on Indian burial grounds. It never goes well for who's staying there after that. And then I found this one called Blood Freak, made in 1972 on a budget of $25,000, directed by Brad Grinter and Stephen Hawks. A biker gets a job at a turkey farm and agrees to act as a guinea pig for some chemicals that need tested, failing to anticipate the murderous side effects. Blood Freak, I'd never heard of this movie before. And it's known for being notoriously bad, well, for a, a number of different ways. The most obvious one is that there's a guy that runs around as like a half-human, half-turkey, but like they just have a big papier-mâché turkey head. So super low budget. So this movie is, yes, difficult to get through uh, because it has all the trademarks. Uh, bad monotone acting. Uh, lots of scenes, you know, with walking before it takes a while for anything to happen. Not exactly the kind of movie where scenes just flow uh, next to each other. This is the bizarre thing, because the whole point of this movie was like an anti-drug, sort of like Christian-themed movie. But the way they went about it was so strange. In Blood Freak, Stephen Hawks is the main actor. Uh, Brad Grinter is this guy who's got sort of like this Polly Walnuts from The Sopranos or Eddie Munster kind of hair, where he's got this sort of like wavy and grayish, and then it's, it's pretty greased back. Um, And he's chain-smoking through the whole thing. And he does all these sort of Rod Sterling type of... It's just like cut to him randomly in the movie. And it'll be like, isn't it interesting what's happening here? And it'll give sort of like a public service announcement. You know, about like temptation or any of the other kind of like things that are happening on in the movie. And he'll just sort of drone on for a while. I mean, it's pretty humorous. I mean, he's chain-smoking while he's doing this the entire way. And then at the end of the movie, he makes his last statement. And he's just like hacking up a long... (laughs) So, so at another statement that I'm trying to make, or he'll he'll say like, and then another thing when he goes into his last point is it's like, oh, 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 and he just starts hacking up and he can't stop hacking up. And 
They must have not had enough budget for another take. Back in those days, they shot everything on film, so they couldn't afford to waste any film. So I guess he decided that him hacking up along on camera. Ah, let's just go with that. It was good enough. Good enough. Let's move on. Let's just go with that. Yeah, but this movie is, I would say this movie is recommended viewing just for the fact that like in the 70s, somebody made a movie about like a half man, half turkey and only had the budget to put like a paper mache head on. Oh, aside from that, you know, like some of the scenes are pretty comical because the guy at the beginning, so the biker at the beginning, he comes in, he gets out of the big character his name's Herschel. He gets out of Vietnam and this girl, he helps her out. She's having car trouble. He helps her out. She takes her back to her place and there's all these people hanging out there. Oh, it almost sounds like a commune kind of feel to it. And she's much more kind of like a girl that will do the right thing. And then her sister is really just laying the grease on Herschel in this, on the main character. She wants him bad. So she gives him drugs. Then he gets hooked on these drugs and he's looking for a job. So he goes to work at this turkey farm and there's these guys that are at this turkey farm that are doing experiments. So he takes, the, he basically like eats this tainted turkey meat and then he becomes like a uh, half human, half turkey and runs around attacking drug dealers and everything. So they're doing this like public service announcement basically as a movie against drug use and temptation and everything. And the way that they go about it, this is what makes it so, so just bizarre. The way they go about it is they do it in grindhouse style. So it looks like a 70s grindhouse movie. It was made in the 70s. It looks just like anything that you would see at like a grindhouse theater during then and they also do like they show gore and everything else just like regular grindhouse movies does but it's preaching against it it's just a very bizarre contradiction and then the intercutting of brad grinter making all these statements about morality in this movie and then going back to all these sort of like graphic drive-in scenes but a lot of it is just like boring stuff in between but you know like if somebody gets like a limb hacked off or something they're screaming and the camera stays on it as blood is squirting all over and throats are getting slit violence is happening and then they'll cut back to the guy and be like now what can we learn from this uh so it's just a bizarre experiment of a movie to to look back on and be like i can't believe that this got made this is bizarre but, of course, check this one out. Is in a time capsule? Now, this one, I mean, you can get some entertainment out of a couple of the bad lines in there and the monotone delivery and just the whole way, just the whole bizarre, ironic way that everything is set up in this movie. The movie as a whole is, uh, it's, it's rough to get through. But that being said, it's worth checking out just for the bizarreness of it. And it will make for good party conversation. You bring this movie up, he'll be like, where the hell did you hear about this thing? And you tell him Dead Harvey sent you. Okay, now to me, the quintessential Thanksgiving horror movie, next to Thanksgiving, of course, is Poultrygeist, Night of the Chicken Dead. Zombified chickens attempt to kill the fast food workers that cook them in a restaurant built on an ancient burial ground. Directed by indie horror legend Lloyd Kaufman, who gave us the Toxic Avenger way back in the 80s. Uh, Trauma Studios, of course, is the longest-running independent film studio. What's well, great to see and poultry guys not at the chicken dead is that lloyd like his movies it has all the trauma staples bodily fluids spraying everywhere uh, that green bromide seltzer stuff they use is bubbling out of people's mouths cartoon sound effects like trauma always uses over the top gore over the top sexuality very on pc uh it's got a lot of elements of satire in it it makes fun of wokeness and multiple races and religions and while doing this, it somehow feels like it's progressive at the same time, which is a, that's got to be a tough thing to pull off. It also, of course, has crotch monsters. I think those are first introduced in Class of Newcomb High, but I could be wrong. And of course, they do have that scene, if you've seen like in 
and the Toxic Avenger and a lot of other Lloyd Kaufman's movies where they just recycle that same footage of the car that flips and then is like flipping in slow motion and then it lands and explodes. They reuse that again too. And the movie, of course, starts out with an explosion. Everything in the movie is completely over the top. Yeah, this movie could be have a completely different effect if it had a different tone. If you're not easily offended, and to watch this movie, it definitely helps to not be easily offended because there are so many on-PC things in this movie that probably are not going to age well, especially now. But that also makes it stand out from so many other movies now because Hollywood just does not have the balls to... Well, they wouldn't have greenlit this movie in the first place. That's why it's an indie movie. But the comic, you know, like, the comic timing on from a lot of the actors in this movie are great. A lot of the main characters in this are based off of, like their names are based off of fast food restaurants. Uh, Jason Yakinen, his character is Arby. Uh, <laughs> Kate Graham, her character is Wendy. Caleb Emerson, his character is Carl Jr. Joshua Olatunde, his character is Denny. Khaled Rivera, Jose Paco Bell. So there's all these references, pop culture references, fast food references. And then they have a guy, of course, that looks like Colonel Sanders. Basically like the CEO of all these chicken restaurants. Uh, everybody's great in this movie. Um, I mean, sure, it's like a gross-out movie, and it's made in bad taste and everything, and it's completely over the top. But they get it. Like, the main actors in this movie, they get it. They know what they're going for. And they do it really well. They're completely committed to it. This movie is really, like... I think Lloyd's, like, to this date, his magnum opus, because it's it has just sort of, like, wall-to-wall craziness. I think that, like, the most beneficial thing about watching both this movie and Blood Freak are that it will not make you hungry. So, like, if you've eaten too much on Thanksgiving, or if you're, like, if you're gonna stuff yourself like I do, always eat too much, then always feel terrible afterwards... Watch this, but watch one or two of these movies beforehand. Well, especially Poltergeist, you'll just feel disgusted. Because they make food. Troma always does this in their movies, too. They always make food look disgusting. Like, when, whenever they put food together in the movie, whenever the fast food workers are assembling food, they're spraying all this... It's like always like slop. Just buckets of slop and things dumped on the food and never like the complete opposite of what you would see at like a poster when you go when you're enticed to go eat fast food or like a commercial when you're enticed to go eat there so if you've never seen a trauma movie before and you're looking for something completely weird and insane for thanksgiving poltergeist now the chicken dead is the perfect movie for that but just yeah just be aware that you will lose your appetite and i think it was great that they made it a musical too because it helps to offset the craziness of it okay let's go into some trivia on this movie i do have some trivia here that i thought was amusing caleb emerson directed a movie called die you zombie bastards and when lloyd kaufman in the movie shoots the chicken zombies he says die you zombie bastards the american chicken bunker scenes were filmed in and around an empty mcdonald's the original doors registers grills and fryers can all be seen in use other scenes including a sex scene that takes place in a restaurant were filmed in a church that also served as a home for the cast and the crew and uh john carius who i interviewed a couple episodes ago He's the guy that plays the the peeper at the beginning of the movie. A uh, great character actor. Just awesome. And he actually went into a lot of stories about the filming of, of Poltergeist and how careful they had to be when they were filming in that church and how they had to do like the crazy scenes outside of it. The film made national headlines in 2011 when a man named Sidney Clawwitter purchased what he thought was a DVD cleaner but turned out to be a copy of the movie. Clawwitter called the film horrifying and a triple X film. The store owner stated that the device was pre-packaged and purchased from a company based in Oakland, California. No charges are ever filed on the case. Trey Parker and Matt Stone were set to have a cameo as Arby's parents but the scene was scrapped during shooting, so the audience never really sees the parents. 
While the movie was still in production, Parker and Stone were often credited for being in the film. The title was originally Good Night and Good Cluck, but Lloyd Kaufman changed the title to avoid confusion with George Clooney's Good Night and Good Luck, which were released first. While mixing the sound in post, Gabe Friedman recalled how sophomoric that the sound effects were, and he felt he was being insulted. The most egregious thing that had happened was every time a girl took their shirt off, a horrible cowbell noise was accompanied by random cartoon whistles. He remarked, they took the whole Flintstones library and threw it into our movie. And, with the lack of respect from these sound designers, from the sound effects and everything, it's obvious that we are in shock and nobody likes us. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> Uh, the character of Arby can be seen wearing a yellow t-shirt with Trauma's iconic mascot, the Toxic Avenger on it, that says, I heart the monster hero. And then Denny's Chicken Speech is a parody of Quint's Indianapolis speech in Jaws. Yeah, there's this, the whole actually kind of, the setup of this movie reminds me of Jaws, because there's a gruesome death in the movie, and the colonel comes in to check out the place, because it's kind of the grand opening for the place. And he wants to keep it quiet, you know, because they want to make money and bring in all the customers, so that totally reminded me of, of Jaws as like a setup there. Body count 182 to 565, including a mutant chicken. So this movie is kind of like an indictment on the fast food industry. <laughs> it's kind of like what they're going for, but uh, I think it has much more effect than a movie like Supersize Me. Because you watch a movie like Supersize Me, and the guy's like, well, I'm going to eat at McDonald's every day for 30 days or whatnot. Yeah, he goes to his doctor, and the doctor's telling him, you know, this is bad. You should stop doing this. Making this movie is dangerous to your health and all that. But, you know, watching that, I'm not as discouraged uh, from eating fast food because I'm like, well, it's going to take a while for that to happen. And I don't go to fast food restaurant every day like this guy is doing. Sort of like a slow burn where the effects take place. Whereas in this movie, as somebody eats some contaminated, disgusting food, they're shitting out chicken eggs, turning into chicken zombies. Chicken puppets come out of their chest. The chickens are attacking people and they're cutting them up just like uh, people cut up animals and serving them on the grill and stuff. I'm like, I think this has much more of an effect than that Morgan Spurlock movie did. But what the great thing about this movie is, is that it has that effect, but it doesn't feel like it's preachy at all because it's a straight up like driving exploitation movie. Instead of like in a movie like Blood Freak, where they're right up lecturing and preaching to you. This movie just makes you feel, just because they make the food look so disgusting um, and everything, there's so much of a gross-out factor in this when you're watching it, then it just sort of turns you off from eating fast food, which I think was was their intent, but it's much more effective in this, because you can't eat when you're watching this movie. You're going to feel like you're going to hurl. And speaking of hurl, there's just constantly people hurling in this movie, hurling up all this green stuff, which is better than if it's realistic-looking hurl, but still, yeah, it's going to be uh, it's going to be tough to eat while watching this. My recommend is if you get hungry, just watch this and you'll lose your appetite. Or you'll feel less shitty on Thanksgiving if you decide to watch this before you stuff yourself. And then you may uh, feel like, ah, oh, I don't really feel like eating at all today. Yeah, there's crazy shit. Lots of deaths in this movie. Lots of puppets. Chicken puppets. Chicken human puppets. Uh, singing chicken puppets in moments. Um, just all kinds of like, if you're in for something crazy, this movie definitely delivers. It's in very bad taste, but it delivers. <laughs> so, and, but it's also super entertaining if you're not easily offended. And this is the kind of stuff that, like, it's going to take Hollywood a long ways to, a long time before they could ever compete with it. Because Hollywood would just never do a movie on a scale this crazy. I mean, there's, like, things happening to orifices in this movie. Uh, crotch violence. Uh, things going through parts of the body, coming out other parts of the body, bodily fluids, wall to, just wall-to-wall -wall craziness. And definitely, like, from the very first scene, unrated. 
There's no way this movie could ever have any kind of a rating. But Troma is completely unique in what they do. The great thing about this movie is that you can tell, like, Lloyd has not lost his touch over the years. He's not only keeping up with the same craziness that he's had in all the Troma movies before. And I think, like, for Troma stuff, you're either going to get a kick out of them and love them or hate them and not understand them. I don't really see a lot in the middle when people have reactions to Troma movies. I dig the Troma movies a lot. Sometimes I have to be in the right mood to watch them, but I have a a lot of fondness uh, for Troma as an independent studio Especially nowadays. Doing all the shit that Hollywood would never do, would never green light, would never clear, and giving people an alternative. So it's great that like Lloyd just keeps sort of doubling down. He's like, ah, we've got to make this one even more crazy than before. We did this craziness, we gotta we gotta step it up. That's sort of like how it feels like his mind is working. Like more craziness, more insanity. Let's give people what they haven't seen before. A lot of this lunacy though is incorporated with gross out moments. By gross out moments, here's uh, just a few of them. And I actually was trying, starting to tally these up, and I lost count after a while because there are so damn many of them. But I'll just give you a few examples here. There's a zombie finger that's broken off uh, in a cornhole. Then that broken finger is sniffed and then kept as a souvenir. There's vomiting. There is the worst defouling of a bathroom I've ever seen in a movie before. There's a man that makes out with a raw chicken, and then he also uh, falls in love with this raw chicken and well then he what you think is going to happen with this raw chicken happens uh there's severed falling tongues broken fingernails uh chicken zombies hacking up humans faces being ripped off zombie chickens eating human skin predator head rip off with the spine attached brains dumped from the skull and onto the grill you know like brains and eggs uh balls served up in the fryer like human balls uh eyes ripped out Faces taken to the meat slicer, faces taken to the fryer, eggs for breasts, and chicken puppets popping out of those eggs. I mean, there's uh, <laughs> it's many like weird things that you could imagine that, that happens in this movie. So even though Poltergeist None of the Chicken Dead looks like a 70s porno slash grindhouse movie, like pretty much all the other Troma movies do. They always have that same kind of look to them. They always look like they were just filmed in a time capsule in the 70s and they stay there. Let's say like you're having the Thanksgiving occasion and somebody's over there and there's like some kind of... Let's say like there's some kind of tension that's escalating as a lot often happens on family occasions. If you can get away with it, maybe do a screening of this and then so many people will get disgusted and leave, that will solve the problem in and of itself. Better than winning any argument could do. Okay, so. New thing I'd like to add uh, to our podcast here is what kind of lessons can we take from these movies? What kind of life hacks could we learn from these? So Dead Harvey Classroom Time. What kind of life hacks or indie film lessons can we learn from these two movies? Well, in Blood Feast, if you're going to do a Rod Sterling Twilight Zone type intro... Probably just better to keep it as the intro and not just interrupt the movie throughout. Unless you're going to be super entertaining like Joe Bob Briggs. And then the preachiness as well too. Try not to preach if you're also making a grindhouse movie. Poultry Guys just kind of speaks for itself. They don't need to preach into anybody. They just they just make fast, fast food look disgusting. Which is far more effective than anything in Blood Feast was. If your main special effect is going to be a turkey head... Probably best to spend more budget than what you would spend on paper mache to make that costume, uh, <laughs> to sell that effect. When you go to, sort of like that movie Knock Knock that Eli Roth did, when you go to 
help anybody on the side of the highway. Being a good Samaritan never pays off in horror movies. And if you get into a situation, like you go to a party and, well, like the main character Herschel is, and this beautiful women are throwing themselves at you, it's probably too good to be true. So those are the lessons that we can learn from a Blood Freak. Let's move on to Poultry Guy, Night of the Checking Dead. You can get away with a lot of un-PC stuff if you're really good at satire. And if it's over-the-top, cheesy, and comedic. Broken fingers inserted into the cornhole from zombies are not good luck charms. Uh, never build anything on an ancient Indian burial ground. Stop having sex on cursed ancient Indian burial grounds. Advances towards raw chickens can lead to crotch monster wang mutilations. And last but not least, working in fast food can not only be soul-crushing, but it can also be dangerous to your health as well as your cornhole. Okay, well, that is it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. I hope everybody has a great Thanksgiving. I personally am thankful for the indie horror community and everybody listening. I've had a great time with the interviews, talking to everybody, and I'm just grateful for all of you. And I love the indie horror film community. And until next time, have a great holiday. And leave Indian burial grounds alone, for the love of God. Please leave them alone. Mm -hmm.